What is up, True Selfie fam? It's Brooke, your host, and I am pumped about today's topic. But before we dive into what I believe to be a true word from God for you today, I want to let you know that there are plenty ways to support this podcast. What you are doing right now is supporting it just by listening, and I appreciate your listen. But there are other ways to support by sharing on your social media platforms, leaving a star or review from wherever you are listening from, or by financially supporting. Whether it be through clicking the more feature tab, you'll see a link that says support this podcast, which gives you the flexibility to do small monthly contributions as little as 99 cents. You can also support through my website, brookegunther.com by clicking the donate tab where one-time contributions or monthly contributions are accepted through PayPal or by using your debit or credit card. However you support, I appreciate you. Now, let's dive into today's topic. All right, guys, welcome in this week. We are excited to see you and talk to you today. Actually, we can't see you, but um, I'm just going to (laughs) envision that I'm seeing your faces. But um, it is Thursday. I hope you've had a great Thursday so far. Um, Maybe it's Friday. Maybe it's Saturday. I don't know. Um, just happy whatever day of the week it is. Um, I'm going to welcome in Jess to you today. Jess, want to say hi to everybody. I do good uh, morning or afternoon true selfie fans out there. You're what? What did you say? I, I, th- I do good? No, I think you asked me <laughs> if I wanted to like introduce myself or say something. Then I said, I do. And then I said, good morning or oh, afternoon, true selfie. Sorry, I didn't... I did not pause There enough. wasn't a pause, and so it kind of threw me for a loop. Well, to be honest, most of the pauses get removed when I listen to podcasts, because Brooke, I've taught Brooke here recently that you can listen to podcasts at like 1.25 or 1.5 speed, so you can take him... If you're in a rush, just so you know, don't not listen because it seems too long. Speed it up. Yeah. I actually did that with the um, Bible yesterday (laughs) because sometimes those guys that, you know, read the Bible to you are like very dramatic and they take like really long breaths and stuff. (laughs) And so I did it on 1.5 and I got through 10 chapters of Jeremiah yesterday. When I listen to a podcast, like I'll speed it up a little bit, especially if I'm running or something. I mean, it. Helps me keep pace as the person. Yeah, because they're talking really fast. Yeah, they are. I'm like, oh man, I gotta get going. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so if you listened to um, the podcast last week, we really just talked about um, the pursuit and make sure that we're seeking first God's kingdom. And um, before we hopped on, Jesse recited my uh, like kind of little phrase from God that I got at the beginning of the year, and he said, "What is it? It's kingdom minded and heart, heart guided." guided. And so um, it just kind of intros to the topic for today, which is going to be, um, we're going to talk about exactly what our job here is on this earth. Um, What do you think our job is, Jesse, on this earth? Well, my J-O-B or my job? Your job, your calling. I think a lot of times people, I've had people ask me, even after listening to like people listening that are like weekly listeners ask, have asked me this question. I still don't know what my calling is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes I think, um, we can, um, over complicate it or make it, try to make it more than what it is. And it's a simple calling that God has placed on each of our lives. There are individual callings, but there is a like mass calling for, is that the right word? Mass calling. 
there's a map. Everybody? <laughs> yeah, there's like a corporate, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. A corporate, like a corporate calling yep. for the believer. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, as we were brainstorming topics, that was one of the ones that I was thinking about. So when I think about being called, which is... Um, for somebody that's maybe not like really scripturally like deep or been in church a long time, when you think called, uh, you don't really think anything. I don't know what I heard or what I was thinking like the first time I heard that word. But when we were going through our CAMS class, we had to write an essay for why we are called, I think is what the subject matter was. <laughs> so in that essay, basically, I because this was very, very early on my understanding of being called, in that essay, I wrote that I knew I was led by God to be called into children's ministry because I thought fart jokes were funny still. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. I am like over here <laughs> waiting for like a <laughs> spiritual That's light it. bulb, like, um, you know, in-depth <laughs> revelation of God's word. <laughs> and it includes fart. But that's... <laughs> But that's, I'm, I'm talking about my spiritual, um, growth in the understanding of being called. So your spiritual clinic. I was getting deep. It's just, I gotta start shallow. Everybody's gotta start somewhere, you know? I started with like, okay, I relate with children because I think fart jokes are funny, uh, amongst lots of other gross things, but like that lets me bond with them. And so I was like, okay, that's like. That's how I know, but that's not how I realize now that I know. If I were to write that essay again, I believe four years-ish now later, it would be a more spiritual understanding of, I've had multiple revelations about that since then. But yeah, my understanding has changed. It's not just because of the fart jokes that I'm called, but that's how God was showing me that um, I see it much different now on a spiritual understanding. Okay. So you're talking, um, you're calling as, you know, you know, your little, like where you fit in to the kingdom, like where you fit in to serve in the kingdom. Um, that's some, a way that we can, um, kind of elaborate on calling and we can, you know, look at it and say, you know, I think there's a, a vast way to, um, be walking in God's plan and purpose for our lives and then there's more of a like specific plan and that's what you're talking about is the calling of being in ministry kids ministry that's where you're that's where you fit in into the kingdom that was yes that's really how i understood it years ago it is i understood it as like only a specific calling for that ministry but i realize now that everybody is called you might not necessarily have a title or a leader in a ministry or, or serving somewhere, but we are called daily to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Was that Acts, like close to Acts 542? Um, uh, but that that's what I see now is that it's not just that ministry. I mean, I'm at work at the grocery store. I don't know. Pastor seems to run into all kinds of people that need saved in grocery store lines. Like we hear that Quite a bit. So there's obviously a. a you need of to get to the there. grocery store. That's yeah. And that's what I you're. Oh, sounds like there's a lot of sinners there. Um, <laughs> but that's the point. I think that we kind of want to 
talk about today is, you know, there's a calling on your life. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has a niche that they fit in into kingdom service. And it's important to find that niche. But there's also, if you're unsure about where that is for you at your at your moment that you're in right now, I think the main part and the main goal and the main thing that Jesus wants you to hear today is that there is a calling for you as a believer. And that calling we can find in, um, let's see, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And it's the Great Commission. And it says in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him... They worshipped him, but some doubted. And I love that when I was just reading it um, because we focus so heavily on the rest of this um, scripture. But uh, they worshipped him, but even some doubted him. Even seeing him face to face, knowing that he was the son of God, knowing that he did all these miracles and healings and things like that. Um, you know, in our flesh, we still doubt. And it's okay if you are someone who doubts you know, here and there and, and, and may have little faith in little seasons. Um, just remember the Bible always tells us that, you know, faith of a mustard seed. Um, and then I think about, you know, in a given church service, you know, in this congregation that we have represented that there are some who worship, but there are some who are sitting there doubting and wondering if it's true. If, you know, these people that are, um, following Christ, are they, are they just making this up? Is this just like something that, you know? Um, and then in 18, it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he's telling us, listen, no matter what niche or what, you know, skills and and what things you feel like you have and what you feel you don't have, whether you have a hundred percent faith or whether you're doubting, um, go and make disciples baptizing in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And then it says in 20 to teach everyone to obey everything. That's hard. That's hard. Impossible. It is impossible. I Almost. I've, I, yeah, it could be impossible. It's so, hard to say that when you know God is the God of true. the impossible. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's impossible for us. We're flawed, fleshly, some of us chubby human beings. You know, I mean, we all have issues and it's hard for us to, to stay on track. So uh, a couple things there. Um, when it comes to your calling, it, do, it doesn't say you know, lead a children's ministry or it doesn't say lead this ministry or lead that. It just says to disciple people and that can be done everywhere, every day, all the time. Uh, like I mentioned earlier at work or, or wherever. So if you are, let's say, like, let's say you were in a ministry and maybe that ministry is, is not happening anymore or it's kind of tapered off or the need for it isn't there anymore. You are still called. That doesn't mean the calling has left you. You are still called to do this, to tell people about Jesus. So um, he will lead you to where you need to be eventually. And then the doubt portion of it. Um, we all think like, if I... Sometimes, uh, a lot of times, the thought crosses my mind: If I saw Jesus today and I saw him do a miracle, I, there's there wouldn't be any doubt left in me. But here, uh, do we think we're better than the people that were following Jesus at that point in time? No, um, they saw the miracles and they still doubted. So, 
today, I think people see miracles, but they, they doubt them as miracles. So uh, this week, somebody uh, reported to Brooke and I that um, there, there's a, a scare over the past few weeks. You know, there was a scan, a medical scan, and something was seen on the medical scan. And then uh, the way the industry works, obviously, you know, there's a scan. And then you have to do something else like a week later. Then you find out the results a week after that. So it's, it's weeks of wondering what's going to happen while you wait on those results. And then the results show up and the results show up as negative, like nothing wrong. Everything is fine. And it's just a scare. Some people look at it as like, whoo, I dodged a bullet there. There's nothing actually wrong with me. I try to look at it as the doctors found something. There was prayer over weeks. Mm-hmm. A miraculous healing happened. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing now, Mm -hmm. but it was something. And nowadays we have to look at it that way or we're disregarding the miracles of God, just like these people did. They doubted that miracles were, they saw the miracles, but they're like, ah, maybe it's something else. But we see miracles every day today, but we get blinded. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, like, you know, you try to look at yourself and then compare yourself to people in the Bible or like you know, our generation to what they, you know, walk through and stuff like that. And I also think that, you know, they were physically seeing it and they still doubted. Um, and we don't physically, we haven't physically seen Jesus. We've never seen him heal, you know, with our own eyes. We've never seen him. We've never, you know, got to hug him like some people have. And, and so the fact that we not having seen and still have faith, and sometimes maybe faith more than what these people could have had, um, I think shows a lot of we you know where we are in our walk with Him. You know, if if things come at us and and we are a generation that has that has never seen you know the Son of God, um, and we still are crazy enough to believe you know that He is able to do anything that we ask. Um, he is able to heal anything and we have faith and we stand and we stand firm. And even in moments of doubt, you know, we still have faith that God is able. He is the God of the impossible. And, um, I think that just goes to show the, um, you know, the, you know, where you're standing in your faith walk with him and, and, you know, not to pat yourself on the back or anything, but to say like, Hey, you're doing, you're doing it. You know, you're, you're, you're doing the way that, you know, he wants us to don't get discouraged. Um, so what you had a bad day and you didn't, you know, you doubted or you didn't see how he was going to come through. Um, you know, pat yourself on the back. That's, I mean, what you're talking about there is John 20, 29. I'm going to go old school or new school, whatever. King James version here. And it's Jesus. So this is when Thomas, everybody, I guess his nickname is Doubting Thomas. I didn't really learn that until a few years ago. Um, He was the disciple that did not believe that Jesus was resurrected because the other ones, everybody else got to see him. Mm -hmm. Thomas was there like getting or out getting groceries or something like that. I don't know what he was doing. I was just kind of making that up, but he didn't get to see Jesus. And, uh, so he comes back and everybody's all in a stir, you know, uh, about seeing Jesus. And he's like, ah, I didn't get to see him, you know, so there's a little bit of doubt, but anyways, so he finally gets to see Jesus appears to him. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed 
So Thomas got to see and he believed. And Jesus is like, that's great. Okay, that's the first part of the, the verse there. It's like, that's great. You saw and you believed. Thank you for believing. The second half, the powerful portion that we're talking about here. Oh, I clicked a button and it kicked me to here we go. Okay. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That is us. Well, maybe some of you have seen Jesus. I, I haven't personally seen him. But blessed are they that have believed and yet or sorry, I got that messed up. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So we might not have seen his face, but we've seen his fingerprints on lots of situations in our life, but we have not seen him and we just have to keep our eyes open. Yeah, we have to keep our eyes open. And I love that you said that because, um, you know, with all of the craziness that over the last, you know, few years that the, that we see with our own natural eyes in the world and, and the way that we, you know, have just kept pulling away from, you know, biblical truth and in, in God's word and as a nation and as, you know, um, as a people, honestly, um, uh, and then seeing all of the college campuses and, and just being, you know, revved up for God really is what's happening is they're mm-hmm. just, there's just a spiritual, um, hunger and thirst for God's presence. And we're going to just spend a few minutes just talking about kind of those, um, what we are kind of take on what we've seen over the last couple of weeks with the, um, all of the revivals that are going on in, in campuses and in churches and, and all over the world, because, um, it's important to know that God is coming back. Jesus is coming back, um, to save us and to rescue us as a, um, as a people that who are hearts are pure, right? Without sin saved all of that. Um, what are, what are your thoughts about the revivals? What have you kind of, what's your take on them? Like, what do you feel in your spirit? Like, well, so first off, I love a good revival. I mean, when people get revved up, like you mentioned, it's, it's great to be around people that are revved up for God. And the, to me, the, the basis of when a revival starts, I don't know where I, I heard this. Um, the, the revival didn't start like, like because there was a bunch of people at the college campus or because of a really good service or any of that, somebody mentioned that like that revival started with one person who was really listening to God and really hearing from God. That revival then spread to say another person, maybe, maybe it happened. Maybe that other person didn't, maybe the initial person didn't know it was happening, but then it spreads to another person in service revival spreads. Mm -hmm. I I think that it can't, I don't think it can be called a revival. I can't, I don't know the definition off the top of my head, but like it has to spread and, and it has to glorify God. And what we're seeing is a spreading of the revival. So seeing people passionate about God is that's what, that's what God wants. He wants our worship. He wants our time um, it's great to see that, uh, they did implement some rules and whatnot on the revival that, you know, you got to be very careful not to quench the spirit. I understand people have lives, but, um, 
you know, we talk about like our jobs. We started talking about our calling and all that stuff. Our most important job in our life is our calling. Mm -hmm. So you might think like, I get paid for my job during the day, so I, I, I can't go to church tonight. I got to work late or something along those lines. But you realize that going to church and your calling is the most important thing you can do with your life. Yeah. Um, and we were we were reading, um, we both just finished a book that my dad sent, um, and it's called The Harbinger. And it is, um, it's interesting and intriguing, and it kind of pulls you in. Um, I'm not saying that I fully believe everything that was in that book. Um, but I'm also not saying, I'm also saying that I'm not judging, um, because I do believe that God does give prophecy, but no matter what, um, those, the author tried to pull from biblical to current, um, no matter what all of that entails, the kind of the backing behind the book and kind of the ending. And I don't want to ruin it for anybody who wants to read it, but, um, it just talks about the great commission. And, you know, as we look at different points in our nation and in, um, like nations in the past that are in the Bible, um, we see God always warning people before he decides, or if he's going to destruct a city. And I think about the story of, um, Jonah and Nineveh and how, um, he, you know, told Jonah, he called Jonah to go to Nineveh. He placed a specific calling on his life and Jonah was scared to death. He doubted, um, he didn't want to do it, was uncomfortable, didn't like the people there. Um, and so Jonah, we all know the story hid and ran and tried to run from God gets put in the belly, right? Of a fish gets spit out. So Jonah wakes up and he walks out God's purpose for his life and saves um, the city of Nineveh. And I think it's important to see that and to look at that in our nation because the Bible is a place where we can um, learn from, we can apply it to our life. And if we see our nation going in the wrong way, um, I think sometimes we think that we aren't big enough or we don't have enough people who believe in us or we don't have enough followers or we don't have enough um, influence we don't have enough money we don't have enough resources to make a difference in our nation but it only takes one person god does amazing things with what little you know he uses and i think he does that because he wants to be glorified even more um, so don't ever doubt the calling in your life because you could be the very well um, changing factor in not only your family, um, it could be your company. You may be a janitor at your company, but your influence in that business could very well change the ability and the, and the movement and the, um, financial aspect of a company. You don't doubt yourself. You could, um, change this nation. You know, God just needs one open heart to do things, to move through. And that's what he did with Jonah. But then you look at the story of, um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. Is that what we talked about last night? Yep. And do you want to talk about that story? Well, I think you know more of the specific details than I do, but obviously there were warning signs um, to that city who was falling away from God's teachings, and the city did not obey those warning signs. I, I mean, that is God wants to to bless people. You know, He right. wants good for us. I don't know the scripture for that, but like 
he wants your lives to be good, our lives to be good. It's not like he he's not a backstabber or a sucker puncher. You know, he's not going to do you dirty like that. You're going to see warning signs. They saw warning signs, but our eyes have to be open to listen. And when we listen, we got to hear and respond to that. We got to say, okay, something's going on. Well, they didn't. And then next thing you know, they were wasted. Right. And I love it because in that he talks about how he's like is searching the city and he just, he said, if I can find 10 people, you know, and I think about that and I'm like, you know, God, if you're looking, you know, as things appear, like it's going towards the end of times, I do believe that God is sending Jesus to come back and get us. And nobody knows the hour or the time. Um, but I do know that there are warning signs being, you know, shown off all throughout the world and you can see them everywhere. And I believe like, you know, we can, we have an option as a people of God. We have an option. God wants everybody saved. He would love to wait until everybody gets saved. Um, but I do believe that, you know, we have an option to elongate that or to push that time off so more people can get saved. Mm -hmm. As long as we are a nation that seeks God first in everything and we get back to biblical truth and biblical knowledge, um, look at the warning signs and let that not make you fearful, but let that rev up your spirit to where you're like, what can I do, God? I want to be a Jonah. I don't want to run away from you, God. What calling can I fulfill to make sure that everyone around me is hearing Jesus and the importance of it? God, please don't be looking across America. Don't be looking across the state of Indiana. Please don't look across Greenfield and pass me by. I want to be one of those 10. I want to be one of those 100. If there's a number, God, I want to be one. And I pray that there are others that can say that with me. Let me be one of them that is still pursuing holiness, righteousness, godliness, those things that we talked about last week. You know, I mean, it's a great story because, you know, Jonah didn't want to do it. Um, How many of you have a calling on your life and you're like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, uh, again, when people ask me about the Bible, you know, and you've read it and all that stuff, people think that it's all, I don't know happiness and all that in the Bible, but you want to talk about drama and a soap opera and whatnot. There's some crazy stuff in the Bible and uh, a lot of bad people, but that that's what God works with. Not necessarily like bad people, but people that they aren't good people at the beginning of the story. Jonah did not want to serve in his calling, but God took that one man and saved an entire city. So you don't know when you're going to be the seed of a city being saved or the seed of a revival that starts on a college campus that spreads all over the world. God works with small things. That's how it makes them great. That's how you know it's God. That's like a sign of him, uh, a fingerprint or breadcrumbs that where did this actually start? You go back and look and it's like one little person, you know, a prayer closet or something. That's how it starts. If if God were to do his things with a giant army, then people would say, well, it's just the army that's doing that because there's so right. many people and they got a great general and all that. No, he, he starts with a, a tiny, unqualified uh, failure of a person and 
completely changes an entire situation with that person. And then you're like, there's no way that should have happened. It's gotta be God. Right. I, I love that you said the, um, you know, the breadcrumbs or whatever. And, um, before we close out today in Zechariah 410, it says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And I just let that sit in your spirit as you're, you know, listening, um, throughout the rest of the week. Don't look at something small or feel like, because you only have a little to offer, you know, you can even think about the lady with the perfume, you know, on anointing Jesus's feet. It's all she had, but to him, it meant everything. And so don't despise what little you have in your hand. Um, because with God, he can make that and he can spread it like his word, you know, um, because he rejoices to see the work begin. He wants to see his plan and purpose fulfilled in your life. He put you on this earth for you to walk it out. And so don't despise when the small thing comes to you and you're like, but that's not how I envisioned it. That's not how I expected it. That's not what I was thinking. You know, I can think about, you know, back tra- backtracking my journey in ministry and serving. And when I got started, I got started as a choir director. Like I didn't want to do that. I really didn't. Like I, <laughs> I, I was in choir, like not even a full year. I just, I didn't want to, I, I, not that I don't like choir music, but it's not my cup of tea. Like I'm all about like worship and, and just that vibe of a band and, and all of that. So like rehearsed choir music was not me, but it it took a small step, you know? And if I didn't take that step and build my character, build relationships with people, if I didn't take those steps, it may not be what you want right away. It may not seem perfect. It may not be your cup of tea, but the point is, is you're obeying God. That's what we talked about in Matthew in the beginning was go make disciples and obey him in all of his teachings. Mm -hmm. And so, um, just don't despise the small beginnings. Do you have any last comments or remarks that you want to make before we close? Well, I, I really like your obeying comments there. Um, when it, it starts, like, let's say in a church service or out in the public or something, obeying God starts with the little things. Um, obey him in the background when nobody's looking, uh, pick up the trash at church, do something and obey because you'll see a piece of trash and you'll look away from it. But you, if you get a tiny sense of like, ah, I saw that piece of trash, turn around and pick it up obey God in the little things and then he'll next thing you know he'll be putting somebody in the service or in your work or or next to you at the store or something and and you'll just feel led to talk to that person when you feel that pray about it and talk to that person but obey continue to obey and God will give you more yeah that's what it is is obeying being obedient in the small things and then he opens the doors because he sees that you're faithful in those small things why would he give you something greater um, if you're not gonna obey in just a small tiny thing you know and so um, I hope you're encouraged friend Um, I hope that you can just, um, you know, listen to what we've said. I hope it resonated with your spirit. I hope that there was some kind of truth that just, um, you know, maybe gave you a revelation about the great commission. I think it can be a scary, um, you know, thing. Nobody, like nobody is confident. I really don't feel like 
there is anybody confident in sharing Jesus. You know what I mean? I feel like you can, it's just a scary thing. There's just oh, yeah. been this, you know, uh, I don't want to know, you know, there's, oh, that, that's how I felt about it for a really long time. But at the end of the day, it's, you're sharing where he's brought you from, you know, you're sharing your story, how, when you invited him into your life, your life changed. Um, it doesn't have to be a scary thing. No. And there's really no pressure because you cannot, you, you can't convert that person. It's not on you. Right. Just remember, there's no pressure. There was uh, somebody that I know and I was talking to him about it and they do not um, believe in God and I'm talking to him about it. And they're like, yeah, I know people have tried to convert me before and all that. I said, I ain't trying to convert you. I said, all I can do is tell you what I know. I said, it's on the Holy Spirit to convert you. I said, there's no pressure on me. I said, yeah. I don't feel bad yeah. for any of that. Yeah. You Take just say it and go. Yeah. Plant that seed and then run on about your business. Don't be like, oh, I didn't convert him on, you know, Monday at two in the afternoon when I was my, that was my chance. You don't know. No. No, you just it is, yeah. It give him never, your peace. Yeah, it can never be about you. Nope. It has to be about him because if it's mm-hmm. about you, it's never going to work. <laughs> you cannot do it. You cannot drag them into a pond and hold their head underwater and then pull it up and go, do you believe in Jesus yet? And then hold it back under. Like, you can't do that. I think parents realize that too with your children. You know, we can't force the, our kids to do things, mm-hmm. you know? Nope. We just have to live a life of example and nurture. You know, that's our call is to nurture them, to nurture people around us, to show them, you know, and to not be that person that's like, Jesus loves you. I'm screaming on the street. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But hey, share this with someone. We're going to pray. And then, yeah, we'll see you next time, right? Yes. Do you like to pray? Sure. I can certainly do that. I love to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as a team today and to do what we believe you have called us to do, Lord. Well, we know it, and we know you've called everybody listening here today. Uh, We just ask that you remind them of the skills, the talents, and the things that you put inside of them so that they may exercise your will on this earth, Lord. Please bless them. Help them have a great week, Lord God. And I thank you very much for being a blessing in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a good week, and we will see you next week.